0: Hi, I'm Stephen Crafty. I'm presenting Talking Design at RMIT in Melbourne, and I'm here with Kate Stokes. Hi, Stephen. Stokes or Stoke? Stokes, Stokes with an S. Kate Stokes. Um, and I have been noticing Kate's work for many years. I think architects tend to gravitate towards your work, um, and not surprisingly, you're also you're married to um, an architect, Haslett Grounds. Yes.
1: That's
0: correct. So um, tell me why you studied at Curtin University in WA and Haslett studied, he did his Master's at RMIT in architecture. Um, Why lighting and furniture?
1: Okay, so, yeah, I studied product design at Curtin University um, and we moved over to Melbourne in 2008. Um, When I was studying, I was really drawn towards furniture. I actually started in architecture myself as well and then transferred to um, product design mainly due to the scale of it that really attracted me um, and all of the furniture and lighting that I came across when I was living in Europe. I was just really drawn to it and loved. loved Kate, anyone in
0: particular that kind of changed your direction? Like any lighting or furniture designer that you saw? Was it any period that...
1: I think my first, um, the first time I really fell in love with it when I was travelling straight after school, I went and lived in Italy for a while and then did some backpacking around Scandinavia and going to the flea markets in Copenhagen and Stockholm. That was when I really knew that this was what I wanted to do. Um, And so the 50s and 60s um, style of Danish and Swedish design really spoke to me and i mean not what year no was one that? that would have been early 2000s mm. yeah
0: and not one particular
1: not one designer, particular designer the- i mean so many of them but um yeah really just i love the the combination of art and science that that it involves um i think it really balances sculptural with technical sides and I I love the manufacturing side of things that really interests me and I think um, there's a lot of opportunity to work with Australian manufacturers and and push the boundaries of what we can do here.
0: So you started Coco Flip who I believe was a baby goose no longer.
1: (laughs) Yeah so um, I grew up in a small country town called Donnybrook and we had a baby goose called Egg Flip. Um, so the name Coco Flip comes from from him. <laughs>
0: um, so, look, in 2008 you were with um, Haslett at that point. Yes. How do you start a business? I mean, you know, it it doesn't just happen. It's not that easy to just say I want to be a lighting and furniture designer and put a shingle across the front door.
1: No, we started very organically and slowly. Um, It's a business that has grown really step by step and we've never taken any loans or anything that's been... um, you know, one one thing at a time. So that's how I prefer to run the business. Um, But in 2010, that's when I took the leap. um, And partially that was due to getting a grant from the Australia Council for the Arts um, called Art Start Grant. That's not around anymore. Um, But that gave me a little boost to um, take, you know, the, the step of putting the first piece into production. And what was the first well, piece? Kate? The first piece was the Cocoa pendant, um, and that was taken on quite early by several uh, really well-established retailers, such mm. as Tongue and Groove um, furniture, and also Cult, or now known as Cult. They were corporate culture back then. So that, as a young designer, that was a huge, <laughs> a huge uh, step. And then from there, you know, it got a lot, a lot of international exposure as well um, and that really launched the business Um, but even still you know we started out selling pendants from a living room and you know it was very very small scale.
0: What was the idea for the pendant? How Um, would you describe it and what was the idea?
1: The cocoa pendant yeah I think I was really interested in in combining the two materials in as seamless a way as possible, so using the hand-turned timber and the spun aluminium, and combining them in a form. But yeah, the the product is all about form. It's um, a beautiful silhouette, and uh, it's you know very much referencing Japanese and Scandinavian aesthetics with a really pure. Uh, form, but also the functionality of it. It's a very downward, intimate light that it creates. And, yeah, it really spoke to a lot of people. I think we always try and balance products being um, accessible and familiar but also offering something really contemporary and new and that hasn't been seen before.
0: It's interesting, Kate, because in the early noughties, and tell me if I'm wrong, there was this huge trend of putting chandeliers chandeliers over kitchen benches. I never got it. I never <laughs> got it. I thought, it's a kitchen. Yeah. A, chandeliers don't create the right light for working over a kitchen bench. Mm-hmm. It looked pretentious. I just don't know why that happened. So your cocoa flip would have been probably just a breath of fresh air at that time when people were doing these really quite strange things over kitchen benches.
1: <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Um, I'm definitely not a fan of a chandelier personally, but um, there are a lot of contemporary takes on chandeliers which can be done quite well. Um, but, yeah, the traditional chandeliers.
0: Did you, um, Kate, when you were designing the Coco Flip, did you actually think where it's going to be in the house or did you just leave it to architects and designers to come up with oh i think it'd be good for the kitchen bench or i can see it in a dining room or
1: we always set out with an, an idea of where it would be best placed but obviously it's out of our control in the end um this product was designed really to hang very low over a dining table um and at eye level when when standing pretty much so it really draws people in um to the the dining setting um but equally over your yeah, kitchen island bench it, it's its ability Pendants are, are great to draw a focus point to the room, um, and yeah, but but people have used them in, in all sorts of other places too.
0: <laughs> Where have you seen odd ones too? You
1: know? Well, we've seen. I mean, they're used in the Sydney Airport in a, a huge sea of them, um, which to me <laughs> does seem quite odd. Um, but of course, you know, it's wonderful to see them be used there. It's just not how we envisaged it. <laughs> what
0: well, the same one just repeated x y- times?
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Designer Was that a designer's request or that was just how did they I'm not know? sure who yeah. who
1: was responsible for using the pendant, but we, we do often get approached by people asking if it's ours because there are several copies out there. And I think in that environment it can, I don't know, it does maybe seem a little questionable, <laughs> but it Kate, is ours. <laughs> um,
0: Kate, where has it gone to oversees the slide in terms of orders where's yes. it gone to
1: yeah we have a um, we have a stockist based in New York and she manages all of um, the US so we work regularly with US clients um, less so in Europe but we certainly do take orders from all over the world so there's been a, a big restaurant in Turkey for example took a, um, a lot of cocoa pendants but yeah this...
0: what are some of the other things that you've done that people would know and perhaps not even know that you're behind it but it's been very successful and it's something you just keep repeating.
1: Yeah I mean we've got a, a wide range of products. We're mainly known for lighting but we also do furniture. Um, most recently we launched a collection of lighting called Honey last year and a furniture collection called Sequence. Um, so Everything we do is produced locally in Australia, in Melbourne. Um, and the honey collection is a collaboration with uh, Bendigo Pottery and Amanda Ziedzik, who's a glass artist in um, in Melbourne. So that's a yeah, ceramic component paired with a glass, beautiful hand-blown glass component. It's a wall light, a table light, and a pendant light.
0: So kind of a kind of a slight 1930s feel. Yeah, we were Deliverate. definitely
1: referencing Art Deco era in this piece um, and we knew we wanted to work with Bendigo Pottery for a while and really enjoyed going and seeing their production processes and, I mean, they've been they've been doing this for a, a very long time and they were wonderful to work with um, and, yeah, it was really fun to experiment.
0: Um, Kate, what are the hurdles as a, an Australian designer, manufacturer, you face that perhaps other people don't face? I mean, it's much easier to... I mean, it takes time to get in an, an imported product. Mm. But what are the things that you... a regular bugbears of working down under?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's a few. I think we also do produce locally because there's several advantages to it as well. So we, we try and focus on the positives of, of why we do it rather than the challenges. Um, but I think a lot of people... Don't realise is having a furniture and lighting manufacturing business, which is essentially what Coco Flip is, is um, very little about design and a lot about making products come to fruition and um, you know acknowledging all of the small steps that that uh, requires. So we fortunately love that challenge um but of course you know it's one thing to have a sketch on a piece of paper it's quite another to have it produced and and robust enough to be in the market do you
0: find Kate in Australia that manufacturers just go no a lot
1: a lot of the time they they will say no initially our job is to convince them to change their mind (laughs) um and often you know, I think it's it's very much about finding the right people to work with with the right attitude. Um, some people in manufacturing are, are much more used to industrial processes and um, the motor industry and things. So for us to come along is a bit out of their depth, but we've we're really lucky to have a stable of wonderful manufacturers who are really open-minded and they really accept the challenges that we present to them um, and we, we try and work with them. So, so if
0: they ch- if they say, look, Kate and Haslett, we can't do it this way, but we can do it that way, mm. you're not pedantic and say, no, 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 it has to be the way the sketch is. You will
1: it's always a conversation. So they are the experts in what they do. And we are the experts in what we do, and it's it's got to be um, a, a conversation between between us. Otherwise, it doesn't work. So we will take an idea to a manufacturer at quite an early stage because for us, it's really important to nut out. Um, what can and can't be done and also the cost implications of what we're doing. There's no point pursuing it if it's going to be completely unfeasible. So we try and engage manufacturers really early on and know who we're going to work with to make a product. Um, and really it's a bit of a dance from there. Yeah.
0: So what are the issues you generally – is it is transport an issue or that's not –
1: because
0: um, you're dealing with overseas all, clients. It's
1: really just cost. So all all of the costs add up. Um, it's very difficult to get things made um, at, a, at a low price point in Australia. And I think for us it's about educating customers on why things cost what they do. When you break it down, it's um, really easy to see where the costs do go and how much labour goes into the actual individual components of the piece. So everything that we make is is handmade um, with a lot of love. And, yeah, then the transport alone from the manufacturing back to us for packaging to the client, like, that, that adds up as well. Um, the yeah. Kate,
0: the sequence furniture that you've designed, um, do you tend to design a collection, say, once every couple of years or is it more evolution, you kind of start with a the piece, then Haslett might say, oh Kate, I think we need another piece to go with this. I mean, how do you work? Work? Do you kind of bring out a collection or do you prefer
1: it depends, adding? Yeah, it depends on the piece. I think in the early days we were more inclined to do just one singular piece um, and then potentially add to that over time. Uh, in the recent years we've put more of a collection together that follows a language and I think there's a lot of sense in that because when you are designing you can um, reuse component tree and just make you know a wider collection on in a similar time frame so what
0: was the idea with sequence
1: so with sequence the the idea was really to try and release a very cost-effective coffee table range that was Australian made. Um, So we sourced uh, through our manufacturer this um, metal tube, which is a really chunky cylinder of steel, um, and we spoke to them about ways that we could use that in a really cost-effective way. So um, there's one manufacturer who does all of the metal work and then it goes to the powder coater and then back to us. So it's fairly streamlined. It's also really flexible. So the, why it's called Sequence is it's um, a number of components that can be put together in, in innumerate ways. So you um, have a
0: table with one pedestal, Yep. table with two yep. columns or ped- and then
1: one with three. Exactly, yeah, and then a curved bench seat as well Um, and the heights can be variable too so we can make them at four different heights, several different colours so it's quite a customisable piece.
0: Kate, the other thing is do you kind of see an opening in the market for certain ideas and then you go, look, something's missing? How does that happen? Or is it Haslett who says, look, I think there's room for another table, coffee table. I think we're missing that in our collection or even in the marketplace.
1: Yeah, uh, look, part of our job is always to thoroughly research what's already in the market and then to respond um, how we feel appropriate. And the world is definitely not in any shortage of furniture and lighting products. So we don't kid ourselves that, you know, we're feeling an absolute necessity. But um, obviously our number one goal always is to do something that is unique enough and hasn't been previously done because we just don't think there's any point in in
0: and that adding to landfill.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Kate, I was going to ask you the um, and I think I asked another person who came onto the program many years ago. Outdoor lighting seems to be an area that is undervalued, or even people don't really look at it. And I think at the time, someone said, "Oh, this is too many conditions with outdoor lighting." But when you look at how boring outdoor lighting is and you see how great indoor lighting is, do you ever think that could be a really strong area that we grow in or are you like the others who just go, it's too much of a headache?
1: No, it's definitely an area of interest for us at the moment. I, I agree. I think it's really... Um, it, there's, there's nothing. There's not very much that's Australian made in particular. Um, Recumber have done quite well in that area in the last couple of years. I think they've really been pushing those boundaries. And the certification process is, I think, a bit of a slipping point for people, but it's certainly not insurmountable. I think that that's um, once you get your head around what's required, it just requires um, a lot of attention to detail and knowing what you can and can't get away with in, in outdoor lighting. But obviously you have to be rigorous.
0: Because, you know, Australians do spend a lot of time outdoors. Outdoor furniture has grown enormously in the last uh, few years, particularly with a lot of the showrooms and they're producing, you know, furniture that can be in and outside. And you wouldn't really know the difference, but I do feel there's still a big difference with light outdoor lighting. It's yeah, kind of like yeah. It doesn't exist.
1: No, I mean we get off asked often about, um, especially our wall lighting, if it can be used outdoors. And so, can it? Um, no, it can't at the moment. But mm. <laughs> we, yeah, we would love to work on some outdoor products. Yeah.
0: So, uh, you obviously do your own thing. Do you also do one off? or, you know, for hotels, for commissions, for restaurants, if they say, look, Kate and Haslett, look, we're interested in this idea for a new hotel, will you get involved or you tend to We haven't to
1: date. We we are definitely open to it. Um, We've always had the belief that our strength lies in developing products and, I mean, product development to do it properly it can take a long time Um, so usually around six months for one piece to be developed to a point of being able to sell so for us with all that energy going into something it seems a shame for it just to be a one-off piece Um, so we're more inclined to work with a customer and see from our collection what can be maybe customised for that job. Um, And certainly because we produce locally, we have a lot of scope to customise products and work on shorter lead times and things like that. Um,
0: Kate, look, Haslett gets involved in your design work. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you get involved with his design work? Do you say, no, Haslett, I don't think that's quite
1: right? (laughs) Because you trained Uh... as an
0: architect, so you would be able to know something you
1: know. No no so I I didn't train I I started out training as an architect but I quickly swapped over to industrial design so I only did one year of architecture studies. Um, I have a great interest in architecture but I don't um, No, I don't really get involved. I, I mean it's always helpful to Talk ideas through, and I'm always happy to look at his uh, ideas and and nut them out. But he's that's really his expertise, yeah.
0: <laughs> and in terms of the furniture and lighting, do you tend to agree on most things, or he tends to take things in one direction? And
1: no, we tend to agree. So Kogo flips really um, always been my baby. Uh, I started it alone in 2010. He he was always involved, and you know we always threw ideas around together. But generally, I. Um, start with the design process and his skills lie more in the technical um, resolution of the product so he'll he'll take them into uh, Rhino and um, come up with more of the detail so we work together really well in that way and no we tend to agree as well which is nice. (laughs) Um,
0: Kate with manufacturing being very well it's getting more light on in Australia do you worry about the the artisans and the people who make things here that they'll disappear and they're not training up new people or is are finding there, there is that craftsmanship that will continue for years? I mean, how do you see it? Feels,
1: it? it feels to me personally very robust. Um, the people that we work with have gone from strength to strength and a lot of their businesses have grown a lot over the last 10 years. Uh, there have been some people we've worked with that have closed and petered off and I think it's more of a personal thing i suppose if if there's a succession plan in place um, if people are training up younger people which certainly we work with Charles Sanford Woodturning and they have a number of young guys coming through um, and they're always focused on on growing and the the next steps so i think the australian design the manufacturing industry is pretty strong and in you Do know, you think
0: there's been a bit of a revival?
1: Certainly yeah yeah i think a lot of designers, I mean the whole design industry has had a huge 10 years that we've noticed it's um, it's a great time to be in this industry and there's a lot of really young talented people coming through and most people are electing to produce locally. Uh, most young Australian designers I think because of the advantages of it being able to be small, you know, you don't have to order in containers worth of furniture. There's a lot of risk when you take things overseas and, um, yes, it's it's a whole different ballgame.
0: What do you still enjoy most about what you're doing? I mean...
1: Definitely the most fun is seeing a product come to life. So that's always the, the bit that just, you know it's it's the best feeling in the world when you see something for the first time that you've imagined in your head you've seen on the computer um and then to see it actually alive is is a really special feeling um and then even more so i guess to see it in in beautiful projects and in magazines and things like that is sort of yeah that's mine yeah it's
0: not mine it's yours
1: yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah
0: um look kate Thanks so much for coming on to the program. You're welcome. Um, thank you
1: so much for having me. Uh,
0: no, I have been following your work for a while and I think you've got a very strong uh, reputation in the lighting industry, particularly furniture is probably growing more. But thank you for coming on to the program. Thanks, Stephen. You've been listening to Kate Stokes at uh, RMIT University and thanks so much for listening.